Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising on today 1st Corinthians the 6th chapter verses 9 through 11 reading from the NIV 1st Corinthians the 6th chapter verses 9 through 11 let it read or do you and not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. I want to use for a subject, everybody has a past. Everybody has a past. So let's let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we come thanking you for another day. God, we come thanking you for life, health, and strength. God, we thank you for bringing us safely through another week. Oh, dear God, we thank you how you continue to place your angels around our bedside. Oh, dear God, and how you continue to watch over us. Oh, dear God, as we slumber and as we sleep. Oh, dear God, and as you continue to wake us up early in the morning, oh, dear God, and you continue to touch us with your divine finger of love. Oh, dear God, and when you touch us, oh, dear God, we, we wake up still clothed in our right minds and we still have the activities of our limbs and the blood is still running warm in our veins. God, we just want to thank you for that. God, we thank you for everything, oh dear God. Thank you, dear God, for provision. Thank you, dear God, for vision. Thank you, dear God, amen, for being our Jehovah driver. But most of all, God, we thank you for being our Savior. Thank you, dear God, for saving us when we were unlovable and unreachable. God, you still reach way down to save us, oh dear God. Thank you, God, for that. God, we pray now as your manservant come to proclaim your word, oh dear God. I pray for extra strength on today, God. I pray for extra grace on today, oh dear God. Extra love and mercy and kindness, oh dear God. Help me to speak the truth. 
in love, oh dear God, and help me, oh dear God, to balance truth with grace. And Lord, I pray for those who will hear me not only in the building, God, but I pray for those who will hear me online, oh dear God. I pray that they will hear my heart, and most of all, that they will hear your heart, oh dear God, so that they could be free and walk in total victory. And God, we'll be careful to give your name all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. For this is your servant's pride in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah. And all the people of God said, Amen. 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 Let me see. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. church say amen amen this has been a pretty difficult week for me knowing that i will have to preach this message on today in fact i was challenged within myself not to preach uh, this message and god reminded me that he called me to preach and i didn't call him i'm also reading through the book of jeremiah and uh See what Jeremiah went through as a prophet primarily to the southern kingdom and how for 40 years his message was rejected by his own people and he kept pleading with them to repent. And he told them, if you do not repent, just like the northern tribes went into captivity, you guys are going into captivity. Slept about three or four hours last night just contemplating this message and just trying to prepare myself to uh, bring this word on today. Everybody has a past. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Everybody has a past. I'll say more about that in a minute. But today we start a series of six messages dealing with the six purposes of our church. They are membership, better known as fellowship, maturity, known as discipleship, ministry, better known as service, mission, better known as evangelism, magnification, better known as worship, and management, better known as stewardship. Listen to me. These six purposes, these six pillars are based on Acts 2, 41 through 47. It is the paradigm, it is the foundation in which the New Testament is built. Therefore, we have strived to build rising star on these six pillars, these six purposes. We believe that if we do these six things well, the church will be balanced and healthy. Please note that these six purposes of the church are not built around the personality of the pastor. These six purposes are not built around the programs of the church. We are not a personality-driven church. We are not a programs-driven church. We are a purpose-driven church, which means regardless of who's preaching, who's singing, 
who's ushering, who's praying, who's counting the money, who's teaching, who's cooking. It makes no difference. As long as this church does these six things well, this church will always be healthy and balanced and it'll keep growing. We don't need no personality cults at Rise and Stock because there's only one Messiah and that's Jesus Christ. There's only one star, that's Jesus, the bright and the morning star. The purposes of God will not change and those who live by them will not fail. So I want you to hear this. This is what we're doing as a church. Whether you're online or in the building, I'm going to take my time and make, take a little extra time today to get this out. But it won't be no part two because I'm only going to do this once. But listen to me. We are growing warmer through fellowship. Okay? The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. We are growing warmer through fellowship. We are growing deeper through discipleship by getting into the word and prayer. We're growing deeper into the things of God. And then we're growing broader through ministry. In other words, our ministry does not stop inside these four walls. That's why I commend you guys for going out into the community and being salt and light because we grow broader through ministry. Amen. And then we grow uh, larger through evangelism. As we go out to fulfill the great commission, we tell a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And as people are converted, the Lord will add to the church as he sees fit. That's evangelism. So we grow warmer through fellowship, deeper through discipleship, broader through ministry, and larger through evangelism. And watch this. And stronger through worship. Because... As we go through life and as we live this life and as we do warfare Monday through Saturday, when you come here on Sunday, you need to get a refill. You need to get into the presence of God. You need to let him to energize you and whatever you've been carrying all week, you need to unload that and let God fill up your tank so you can go back out there and do it all over again so we get stronger through worship. And then we get healthier and wealthier through stewardship. In other words, we're good managers of the time, talents, treasure, and the temple that we have. That's rising, starting nutshell. Let me say it again. We're growing warmer. This might not be the church for you. We're growing warmer through fellowship, deeper through discipleship, broader through ministry, larger through evangelism, stronger through worship, and healthier and wealthier through stewardship. As we come to our text, the church at Quarim was having some issues with their freedom in Christ, their liberty in Christ. And Paul reminds them, you have to put a limit on your liberty out of love for your brothers and your sisters in Christ. But some were taking their freedom, their liberty too far, so Paul had to get them straight. He reminded them that they had been saved by the grace of God and that they were bought with the price. And because they have been bought with the price, they must glorify God in their body and with their spirit. 
because now you belong to God. You have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. You're no longer your own. You don't call your own shots. You don't, amen, set your own agenda, your own calendar, your own schedule. You need to check with your boss because he paid the cost to be the boss. He's just not your savior. He's your Lord also. He is Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. Therefore, uh, Paul reminds them that you are Christians. You are citizens of the king. You are citizens of his kingdom. So first of all, Paul asks a rhetorical question. Do you not know, have you not heard that the wicked, the ungodly, will not be partakers of or inherit the kingdom of God, the rule of God? The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is both invisible and visible. Every person who has been born again, they are part of the kingdom of God. Some of them have died and gone on, but if they were born again, they are still part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is both visible and invisible. So when you see the church, when you see believers gathering on Sunday morning and stuff, that is the visible kingdom of God. But every born again person makes up the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is both visible and invisible. It talks about the reign of God, the rule of God. And wherever you go as a Christian, it is your job to establish the presence of God, the power of God, the rule of God, the reign of God. As a child of God, wherever you go, things supposed to shift in your favor. Things supposed to change. The atmosphere is supposed to change because you showed up as a kingdom of God. Amen. As a citizen of the kingdom. Amen. Everything's supposed to be changed. Amen. When you walk into the beauty salon, everything should shift because you walked into the building. On your job, there should be a different environment in your job because you represent and you bring the presence of God with you because you have the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you are an ambassador. You represent God. And because I represent God, I won't say anything. I won't do anything. And you can't say anything and do anything around me because I represent the Lord of Lords and the King of Kingdoms. You need to know who you are and stop apologizing for being a Christian. So, watch this. Last time I preached, I preached about uh, we are building a kingdom culture. And I want to make sure that you are a member of the kingdom and not just a member of the church. You can be religious and still lost. Church membership won't save you. Your mama might have been saved. Your daddy might have been saved. But if you have not been born again, you're going to bust hell wide open. It's one thing to go to hell from the streets. It's a whole nother story to go to hell from the sanctuary. Because when you go to hell from the sanctuary, after hearing scriptures and sermons and songs, you got a hot of hell waiting on you. Because to whom much is given, much is required. So the Bible said everybody talking about heaven ain't going to heaven. Okay, let me help you with that. Jesus came talking and preaching. 
The Bible said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Master, uh, no man can do the miracle that thou does except God be with him. Jesus cut right through the chase. He said, you must be born again. Wait a minute. I'm a Pharisee. I'm religious. I'm a master of Israel. I know the law inside and out. I sit on the Sahedrin court. I am somebody. Jesus said, unless you be born again, not only will you not enter the kingdom of God, he said, you can't even see it. It takes the Holy Spirit to open a person's eyes to help them to realize that I am a sinner. I need to repent and I need to get right with God. So you have to see it first. And once you see and recognize that I am a sinner, I repent, not repeat, repent. And then the Bible said, not only will you see the kingdom, then you can enter into the kingdom. Now, let me help you. Now, salvation or conversion is a two-part thing. Now, I'm going the wrong direction. Everybody, listen to me. Everybody was born crooked. <laughs> All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were born as children of wrath. We are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. So everybody's on the broad road that leads to destruction. And if you notice, as I walk away from the pulpit, I'm going further and further down, and I'm getting further and further into the darkness. But when I heard the voice of Jesus, when I heard the gospel message, guess what? I repented. The word repent means to have a change of mind. And when I had a change of mind, I made a 180-degree turn, and I headed in the same direction. So I repented. Then I made a 180 degree turn that's called faith. So I turned away from sin and I turned to God and now I'm headed in the right direction. I'm not perfect, but when I fall, I fall forward. And now I'm going to tell you like they tell you when you ride the airplane. Ladies and gentlemen, there's some turbulence ahead. Please ensure that your table is upright and locked in its position. Make sure your seat is fully forward. Make sure your seat is buckled. In case of an unexpected emergency, the oxygen mask may fall. No. <laughs> All right. So that's Paul's rhetorical question. Now listen to me. God's rejection of the unrighteous. Okay, now we read the list. I'm not going back through the list again, but listen to me. Notice that Paul said, do not be deceived. Why did Paul say, do not be deceived? Because people are being deceived. We live in a day and time now where people think that they can live any kind of way and do any kind of thing and still going to go to heaven anyhow. Paul said, don't be deceived. Tragically, Christians sometimes deceive themselves into thinking that God does not require them to live righteously or live holy. Paul emphasizes that the kinds of people listed in these verses will not inherit or possess the kingdom of God. Now, let me just give you a disclaimer real quick. This message today, I'm really not talking to unbelievers. Paul was not writing this letter to unbelievers. Paul is writing this letter to the church. 
Paul founded this church on his second missionary journey. Now, the backdrop for this particular letter or this particular church is found in Acts, the 18th chapter. As soon as Paul got there, he found a couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. Okay, at this particular church. And then Crispus was the synagogue ruler at this particular synagogue. And Paul led him to Christ. And Aquila and Priscilla worked with Paul for 18 months while he was there establishing this church. And while Paul was there, angels and God appeared to Paul and said, I have many people in this city. I know Corinth is the Las Vegas of today. You talking about a freak show going on. It was going on in Corinth. And to Corinthize somebody meant something. Don't make me get too visual. Now watch him. Listen. So, so Paul left the eloquent Apollos in charge of the church once he left. But he got word that there was some stuff going on. Now Paul is not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. Now this is going to mess some of y'all heads up. Jesus said... There's somebody sinning in the church or sin against you. The Bible says, first of all, you go to the person and you try to make it right. If they don't listen to you, you get two or three witnesses to go with you and try to make it right. Okay, if that doesn't work, you tell it to the whole church that this person is out of fellowship. This person is not living right. This person offended me. This person will not repent. This person will not apologize. And the Bible said, Jesus said, Matthew 18, 17, count that person as a heathen and as a publican. In other words, they no longer have access to the fellowship. Now, now most of us have been raised that we're supposed to tolerate everything in the church. So just the house of God Many of our churches have lower standards than the military, sororities, fraternities, and right on down the line. You can't do that crazy stuff in those organizations. Why you think you can do anything that you're big enough to do and still be a member of the church and have access to the resources and to the fellowship? That's not biblical. Okay, some of y'all still struggling. I see your faces, so let me help you. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in the fifth chapter, he said, there's a man in y'all congregation who is sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul said, y'all have not put him out. In fact, some of y'all been bragging about it. Paul said, I have already judged the situation. If that guy does not repent, put him out of the church. Oh, I'm not done. Let me go to the other side. Because I know this message, a lot of y'all heads up. Watch this. Paul said, if a person claims to be a Christian and living in sin, and he gives a list of sin, he said, don't even eat with them. Don't even sit down and have a meal with them because when you fellowship with them, when you eat with them, you're condoning what they are doing and they feel it's all right. So we let people live any kind of way. They can still usher. They can still sing. They can still preach. They can still teach. And what you do, you perpetuate bad behavior. And all, watch this, watch this. You better hear me. So what the devil, the devil is smart. He is clever. So he's looking for the weakest link here at Rise and stuff. 
who can I hitchhike a ride with today? And he's out there thumbing, waiting for one of y'all to pick him up. And then you pick him up and bring him into the sanctuary. And then the devil said, I'm looking for a foothold. I see y'all got a pretty good church over there and a pretty decent pastor and got some things going on, but I'm looking for a foothold so I can shut you guys down. You got too much power and too much influence in the kingdom. I'm looking for a foothold. So once I get a foothold, then I'm going to establish a stronghold and then I'm going to shut the whole thing down. So when you're preaching, when you're teaching, you got to look beyond people because every now and then I see spirits operating in people. Mm. Woo. I'm gonna sleep good tonight. I might not have slept last. I'm gonna sleep good tonight. Come on. Now watch this. Now listen to me. And now I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying. Paul said in Galatians 6:1, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, not the gossip committee. Because a lot of people get on prayer lines. They ain't on there to pray. They on the line to find out who got problems. Selah. But Paul says, there's a person who's overtaken in a fall. You which are spiritual, go in the spirit of what? Meekness and restore such a brethren, lest you fall also. In other words, you got to be spiritual and you got to be humble. And watch this. The purpose of church discipline is never to hurt anybody. It's always to help the person and to restore the person and pull them out of the mud. You in the hog pen and you want us to throw you a party and you want the party like it's 1999. All right. That was the easy stuff. All y'all clapped on that. Okay. Okay, Paul's warning was against the backdrop of incest, homosexuality, pedophilia, and other unnatural sexual vices which were prevalent amongst the Greeks and the Romans. Paul did not want Christianity confused with the other groups that permitted or practiced such things. So in today's church, I have to contend with culture. I'm trying to preach Christ, but you have spent 166 hours this week on social media and been indoctrinated by the culture. So now that you're in church, I got to get up here and try to teach against all the stuff you've been hearing and seeing all week. And I know why you're looking at me funny. But I want to preach this with grace and truth. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You got to tell people the truth. Now, I've had, listen to me, I've had several interviews this week. I've had several conversations this week. I talked to our production team. We spent probably 30 minutes on the phone talking about this message. I talked to a psychologist. I've done all kind of reading. So let's go ahead and put up the chart. Paul said the people who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. First of all, fornicators. Anyone who indulges in sexual immorality, okay, especially an unmarried person, that's called fornication. It is not called shacking up. It is not called cohabitation. It is not called, let's try and see, will it work? And listen, this may sound funny. I am not being funny at all. The Bible said this is sin. 
If you live with anybody that you're not married to in a covenant relationship, you're living in sin. You can call it whatever you want to. You can take a pig and put lipstick on him. Put some diamonds around his neck. Put him in a mint coat, but he's still a pig. And he's still going to go back to the hog pen and wallow in the mud. So fornicators, here's the next thing. Now, when I was growing up, people who fornicated, they was ashamed of it. They didn't tell everybody. Now we celebrate. Child, you, you, y'all taking your relationship to the next level? Yeah, baby, he's moving in with me. Pregnant out of wedlock, we throwing a party at the church. And I'm not saying you should condemn people. I'm just saying you don't celebrate sin. That's a whole nother sermon. All right, so fornicators, I know, probably a few members after this. Adulterers, those who worship any false god or follow any false religion or a religious system or anything you place above God. Now, a lot of times when we talk about adultery, we think about people who got a statue, you know what I'm saying, and burning candles and chanting and all of that. I'm here to tell you that the church is full of adulterers. What do you mean, Pastor? The idol God today is the God of comfort and convenience and carnality. I only serve God when it's comfortable for me. I only serve God when it's convenient for me. And I only serve God when it appeases my flesh. I have seen people, listen, not just members, I have seen leaders drop stuff belong to God in leadership on the payroll. We trying to have church. We trying to do stuff. You will drop that and go do something out there in the world. Why? That's so little idle. Because to you, that's more important than the kingdom of God. And you thought you were not an idol of worship because you ain't got no Buddha statue at home or burning incense. No, anything you place above God, including your family, husband, wife, job, career, house, right on down the line, anything that has your allegiance more than God is an idol God in your life. And God said, I won't be sacred to none. That's the first commandment. Thou shall have no other gods besides me. I'm your creator. I'm your redeemer. How dare you take something else and put it in place of me? Everything you got came from me. And how you gonna take a thing and try to replace me who gave you the thing? How you gonna get so hung up on your blessings that you forget to bless her? God said, you got it twisted. Then adulterers, marry People who indulge in sexual activities outside of marriage. Swingers. For the older people, younger people, explain it. <laughs> Open marriage. Come on. Right on down the line. I got a whole lot more I'm going to say about that later. So let me just move on right now because it's getting real deep now. Okay, let's talk about homosexuality. Okay, and I want to teach this with sensitivity because I know people, some people struggle with this. Now listen, the term refers to those who exchange and corrupt the normal male-female sexual roles and relationships. Now he has here transvestic, or transvestite, that's not the word. I learned that it's called transgender. Sex change or sex changes and other gender perversion as stated here, Okay. Uh, sodomites are so-called because of the sin of male on male sex dominated the six uh, dominated the city a 
of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we know that God rained down fire and brimstone and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sexual perversion in that city. Now, you go back and read that, okay, when you get a chance, okay? That's Genesis, the 20th verse. That, that 9 is a, is a typo. Genesis 18, 20. Now, listen to me. Effeminate comes from a Greek word, means that passes male in a sexual relationship. These are men, listen to me, these are men who have woman-like traits to an inappropriate degree, wanting in manly strength or aggressiveness, especially marked with weakness, softness, and a love of ease, over-emotional and overly delicate. The Bible calls these men effeminate. In other words, they have feminine ways. They are passive males. This is the person in the homosexual relationship who takes on the role of a woman. Now, then he has another Greek word to describe the, 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 the male partner who plays the role of the man in the homosexual relationship. The first one is described as a passive partner because in the position of a woman, he is receiving. And then the other one has an active role in the homosexual relationship because he's the active partner and he has the role of a male. He's giving. These are the Greek words that the Bible uses to explain this. Now, if the truth be told, and I've been passing 35 years, widely read, the truth be told, no real heterosexual woman really wants a feminine man. I said, listen to me. You don't have to clap today. I'm not mad at you. You don't have to, you don't have to clap, say amen or anything today. I just want you to stay in the building until I finish. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I have lived long enough to know there is something innate about a female that makes her feel comfortable when she see a man that is strong, that has a backbone, that will take authority, that will speak up, that will protect her. She will feel safe and secure. That, watch this. That's why women in the church will not marry a choir boy and find a bad boy. Oh, 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 why y'all looking at me strange? I've been passing 35 years. You passed up all the church men been coming to church every Sunday because you met Ray Ray and Ray Ray looks bad. Ray Ray is gangster. He got tattoos. He got body piercing. He been in prison. All of a sudden you in love. Can't nobody tell you nothing because you like a bad boy. I don't want no cry boy. He's too boring. I want somebody can mix it up and cuss me out and spank me and tell me I'm something. I'm messing your head up, and I know I'm telling the truth because I marry y'all. Y'all married guys can't even spell church. Ain't never been to church. Since I married, he still ain't been back to church. I'm not done. I'm not done. Hang on. Watch this. And some of y'all know you married bad boys. And in spite of all the warning signs that you saw and all the stuff that people told you, you said, I'm in love. I'm going to marry him anyhow. Watch this. And now you have to tell your stuff and create these false narratives that you got a great marriage and you put all this stuff on social media. We know you married to Bozo. You ain't got no Bozo ass. Come on, somebody. We see the clown shoes. We see the red nose. You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. We know you got a Bozo.
listen, and I'm not trying to be mean or insensitive. I deal with this stuff as a pastor, and I've been dealing with it for 35 years, seeing people marry folks like this. I even take them through the plan of salvation because I don't think they saved. Okay, now here's another one. I got to move on. This is going to mess your head up even more, so buckle up again. Now, watch this. This kind of stuff goes on in the church, but watch this. You won't hear this in the church because most people ain't got the, got the nerve to talk about it. Because we're scared we're going to lose money and members when we talk about certain things and people not going to come back. I don't care if I empty out the whole church. I'd rather get in trouble with you than get in trouble with God. I'm going to always preach the truth because only the truth will set you free. Now, all right. You might not want to clap yet. I ain't done. Hang on. Watch this. So, watch this. So, in Atlanta, Georgia, which is really the new sin capital of the world. You're talking about super freaks. Atlanta, Georgia, watch this. Bishop Ed alone was all greased up. Come on, y'all, come on. You know, preaching the church people are a trip. Anyway, what? what? What's Okay. He, he all greased up in tight shirts, walking from one end of the pulpit to the other one, flexing and stuff. I thought he was flexing for the sisters. Truth came out, he was flexing for the boys. And there was a lawsuit brought against him where four guys accused him of molesting them. Watch this. You need see when you read the Bible, you need to understand the paganism that was going on during the time. God told the nation of Israel, if you do the same things that the Canaanites did when they were in the land, he said, I'm gonna throw you out the land also. <laughs> Study Canaanite religion, they had a freak show going on. Watch this. Watch this. So this is what happened. So he took these boys, it's called a uh, catamite. Catamite. What, what they do, they, they groom these boys and make them their sexual partner. He took boys who did not have fathers and role models in their lives and looking for a father figure, he mentored them, then he molested them. Watch this. And what makes it so sick, as a pastor, he had a religious ceremony for them. He called it a rite of passion where he created a religious ceremony where he violated these boys. I went to do a workshop in Marietta, Georgia, talked to a pastor. He said, Pastor Lewis, that's no secret. We've known for years. They are called lone fellas. Literally had apartments for them to stay in and everything. This went on in the church. Why did it go on in the church? Because we allowed the devil to set up a foothold. Then the devil will set up a stronghold. And then the next thing you know, you got all this wickedness going on in the church. While everybody sitting here with lockjaw. Oh, I know the devil's mad today. I'm snatching. Okay. So, okay, let me move on. Now, I know some of you say, Pastor Lewis, why are you picking on just this one sin? I'm talking about all of them on the list. Now, now here's the problem. I'm not talking about the other one as much. You know why? Because most people who steal, they know it's wrong. <laughs> most people who get drunk, they know it's wrong. Look at the list. 
All the other sins over here, most people know it's wrong. But I'm saying we live in a day and time where a lot of people don't think these things are wrong. That's why I got to address it. Are you with me? So, so, so people don't think these things wrong, so you, you got to deal with these things. Here's another thing. All right, now, let me illustrate this for you real quick, and I got to move on. Now, some people said to me, Pastor Lewis, a sin is a sin. Why are we picking out certain people in certain sins, Pastor Lewis? <laughs> you always thought to be intelligent until you open your mouth. Now, listen. What's this? The Bible says there are certain sins that are worse. Now, let me illustrate. Sister Lewis, see the clock back there? The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now watch this. I'm married to Sister Lewis and a holy covenant. November the 5th, 1983. Watch this. So if I'm going to have sexual relationships with anybody... It's going to be Sister Lewis. She's the only woman authorized to fellowship with the pastor on that level. <laughs> Boy, it's getting hot in here. All right, now watch this. Stick with me. I'm trying to help you. Now watch this. Now, if I mess with one of you single women, I missed the clock, and I'm shooting to the left. Why? I have what? Missed the mark. Because the target is the clock, Sister Lewis. If I mess with one of you women who are married, not only do I violate my covenant with my wife, I violate the covenant with your husband as well. Come on, somebody. I'm not shooting to the left. Now I'm shooting to the right. Watch this. But if I start hitting on one of you brothers... I'm not shooting to the left. I'm not shooting to the right. I'm shooting all up in the baptismal area. I'm not even aiming in the right direction. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be funny. What? Listen to me. This is why the Bible calls it an abomination. Okay, stick with me. When you look at the Ten Commandments, adultery qualified for capital punishment. Go read, go read the Bible. Why would God kill an adulterer? Because adultery destroys the family unit. It destroys the family unit. And God is saying, it's that serious that before I let you perpetuate that, in the community of believers, we'll take you out. How many of you glad we got out of the Old Testament? We probably have nobody in church today. Okay. All right. Stick with me. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Like I said, I talked to a psychiatrist this week, and I talked to some people. Listen, this, this thing is bad, okay? Because when it comes to homosexuality, listen to me, so we don't become self-righteous. Listen to me. It is not like peeling an apple or an orange. When it comes to homosexuality, it's like peeling an onion. There are many layers. I talked to a psychologist this week, and he was saying, Pastor Lewis, the kids have to deal with bullying, and especially on social media. This is what he said. He said, I had a situation where a young boy by the name of Billy, I'm making up the name, Billy was in the third grade. Billy didn't like really playing with trucks. Billy preferred to play with dolls. So over the summer, Billy's mom got a sex change for Billy. So when Billy 
came back to school, Billy was no longer Billy. He's now Barbara. And now the, the children got to figure out how to deal with Barbara slash Billy. And a lot of bullying goes on. And I'm telling you, it is never right to put people down, call them names, bully them, or anything like that, just because they don't swing the same way that you swing. Come on, somebody. We as Christians should show them love, kindness, and compassion, and not judge them, but love on them. That's how we win people. You see how you see what few little claps I got when I talk about the other stuff? People are like, yeah, go, Pastor, go. So I said, see, that's the problem. See, that's the problem right there. That's the problem right there. That's the problem right there, okay? Watch this. And then I talked to an educator who shared with me that this thing is so bad that they have children, young adults, who will commit suicide over this stuff. That's why we got to be sensitive in dealing with this. Now, I'm in the church, and I'm talking to believers. And I'm trying to, I'm a theologian. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. And if you got a child dealing with this, amen, find a psychiatrist, a Christian psychiatrist, a Christian psychologist that can help them to deal with that. I'm a theologian. I'm a pastor. I am not a psychologist. If you're struggling with that, don't make no appointment with me. I can't help you. I'm serious. But there are people out there who can help you. But I'm saying we have to be sensitive. All right. I'm not even going through all the other things here. Okay. Now, we have to love people unconditionally. Now, y'all know the rest of these things are sin. Come on. Put up the next chart. So, anybody confused about that? Okay. Now, I got some more to say about the uh, homosexual piece because it's so prevalent in our society. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. Now, see all these alphabets here or letters? And I'm trying to keep up. L-G-B-T-Q-I-A. And this is what it stands for. Okay? I put this up here because I found this on a website. I, you know how you want to find information about things? You Google it. This was on a children's website. They were indoctrinating children and explaining to children the different types of uh, lifestyles out there and preferences out there. And this is just a short list of the different things. Listen, I found 101 shades of gray. Too many to put up here. This is just the tip of the iceberg, okay, that they have out there. And I'm saying I want you to be familiar with these terms so when you see them, you understand what you're reading and what you're hearing. I first got exposed to this when I was uh, doing my uh, doctrinal dissertation. We have the APA uh, manual that we have to write, uh, you know, our dissertation by this particular book, American Psychology uh, association. Okay, anyway, they had all these terms. I said, good Lord, I never knew this existed. I said, my, my people need to know about this. Now watch this. Now some of you going to say, well, Pastor Lewis, I heard you homophobic. Okay, let me help you with that. Okay. Now, I'm talking about this because of what I got exposed to during my dissertation. I'm also talking about this because it's prevalent and you see it everywhere and they're trying to get this in our school to teach our kids that this is okay and this is the way you need to go, okay? And we got to be counterculture as Christians. The third reason I'm talking about this is because uh, I have never, 35 years here, I have never sat anybody down or put anybody out or fired anybody because they were gay. Now, I have sat people down. I have fired people, and I told people they can't come back. What? Yes. See, see, that messing up some of y'all head right there. Like, what? You can't come back to church? Yeah. 
You can't tolerate everything. You think I'm going to let you tear up the church? And some of y'all know the last gentleman I had to put out the church and told the task force, don't let him come back. I told TPD, he ain't coming back up in here. Because when I bend over backwards, sideways to try to get you straight and you determined to have your way and do your thing and tear up this church, I will put you out and won't let you get back on the campus. Yeah, listen, I have a responsibility. See, someday I got to stand before God and give an account for Rising Star. When it's time to give an account for Rising Star, he ain't no call none of y'all. None of the committees, none of the associate minister, none of the deacons, none of the deaconesses, not the first lady. He's going to call Amos Lee Lewis. Now, some of you know about the men's man situation, and another man had to give him the right foot of fellowship, change the keys and the gate code and stuff. There was a woman I told you, can't come back up in here. What? Yeah. So some of y'all been pushing to me, testing me. Keep on. I'm serious. Just keep on pushing. See, some of y'all new to the church, you don't know who you're dealing with, but just keep on pushing. I'll lock you out, have the task force to escort you out and tell TPD, better not come up in here. All right, now, I don't know how I got there, but come on back. Okay, that's right. I never fired anybody, sat anybody down who was gay. Okay, I never done that. Anybody who has a weakness, my thing as your pastor is to work with you as long as you know it's a weakness and you're trying to work on it. I don't care what your sin is. It could be drugs. It could be hooking and crooking. As long as you know it's wrong and you're trying to work on it, baby, I will work with you. I'll work with you in leadership, membership, any ministry you want to serve in. As long as you know it's wrong and you're working on it, we can work on it because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nobody perfect nobody has it all together but at least you got to fall in the right direction come on somebody you cannot we will not rewrite the Bible for you okay furthermore to prove that I'm not homophobia a lot of you don't know this but the architect for this church was transgender what yeah he went from T-E-R-R-Y the T-E-R-R-I. And he came to me with his paperwork because he had to see a psychologist at that time to get it done. He had to go overseas and get a sex change. And he started taking hormones, and all of a sudden I noticed he started looking different. He started shaving the hair off his arms and stuff. And he came to me and said, Pastor Lewis, I am undergoing a sex change. He said, I did not tell you this when we made the initial contract with the general contractor and me as the architect. He was raised in the church. Father was an elder, a deacon in Presbyterian Lutheran Church, one of the churches. He said, Pastor Lewis, I have no problem if you terminate the agreement with me to be the architect for this church. You know what I told him? I said, I ain't got no problem with that as long as you can draw some plans. <laughs> Amen. You think when I get ready to fly on a plane, I want to know whether the pilot is gay? I don't care. I just need to know, can you fly and can you land without killing me? Are you with me? When an electrician come to my house to work on something, I don't want to, excuse me, are you gay? I don't care. When I go to Olive Garden to get a meal, I don't care who's back there cooking my soup. As long as they can cook. I'd rather have a gay person cooking who can cook than a straight person who can't. But what I'm saying, when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to leadership in the church, there's a standard, and I have to uphold the standard that we are not hunt up in here. But I'm saying if you got somebody on your job like that, listen, I spent 21 years in the military. I've seen everything, and I have never discriminated against anybody because of their sexual orientation, never. And we all got family members, don't we, and friends on this page. 
let me let me tell you what uh, another thing that messed my head up. Remember the COVID nineteen pandemic? I got to hurry up. I'm so gonna talk faster. Remember the COVID nineteen pandemic? We were one of the first churches to offer the Moderna shot, the antibody. Okay. So they heard about this in Phoenix. So someone, a professor called me in Phoenix. They were doing a, a qualitative study on African-American churches and pastors and why, you know, black people are hesitant about getting the uh, uh, shot and things of this nature. But anyway, long story short. So she said, will you participate, pastors? I said, yes. She sent me a questionnaire. They asked me my name and all this kind of stuff. Then they got to the section for gender. They had like eight different categories. I was confused. They had eight different categories on the application for gender. I'm like, wow. And, and then, so I thought, you know, okay, that was uh, one, another experience I had. Then last Sunday, the Red Cross was here, and I went to get blood and stuff. So the woman asked me my name, Amos Lee Lewis, my address, so-and-so, phone number, so-and-so, how tall, 5'11", 225 pounds. Then she said, what's your gender? I want to say, you looking at all this and got that? No. <laughs> But I'm just saying, see, that's what she asked. I'm just saying, that's where we are as a society. Now, I'm almost done. Okay, real quick. Now, I want to tell you real quick, go, go to the next slide. Okay, don't, don't even stop there. Okay, go to uh, the, the original slide, the, the, the uh, sermon title slide, because I don't want people here to be messed up while I talk about this. Okay, thank you. Listen to me. I'm almost done. Listen to me. This is deep. You probably never heard a sermon like this in church. All right. There are five biblical reasons why God wants sex to be performed with a man and a woman in a covenant of marriage. God created marriage, first of all, for partnership. Partnership and companionship. That's why God created marriage. He said it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. Then he said, he that findeth a wife finds what? A good thing and shall obtain favor from the Lord. You see Sister Lewis sitting over there? That's my good thing. And because I have my good thing, I receive favor from the Lord. Even when y'all mad at me and want to vote me out, y'all think about, well, you know, he's something else, but we love Sister Lewis. <laughs> Maybe we'll keep him. Okay. So partnership, companionship. Then the second reason, procreation. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. You can only get a child out of a male and a female relationship, okay? That's the way God designed it, okay? And two shall become one flesh, okay? The second reason, the third reason, pleasure. Yes, that's pleasure in sex. And listen, you might not believe this, and I don't want to mess your head up, and I don't think we have no kids in here, but you might not believe this. It has been scientifically proven that couples who are saved and full of the Holy Ghost and transparent and committed to one another have the best sex on the planet. Somebody ought to be able to testify. Listen, I'm, I, I, listen, I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says, okay? I, listen, because this is so deep, I'm going to preach a sermon just on this, okay? Procreation, pleasure. Okay, for physical and emotional fulfillment. Here's another one. For protection. God built the man and made him strong and hair on his chest and a deep voice and all that stuff so he could protect his wife and his children. When I had a cut or sore, I went to my mama. But if somebody was picking on me, I went to my daddy because I thought my daddy could beat anybody. Anybody in that same category? 
Yeah, you know. If, I mean, if you had a mom and a dad, okay? Some of y'all had gangster mothers too. Listen. Okay, come on, come away. Listen, come on, come on, come on. Okay, here's the next one. Here's the next P, provision. God put a man and a woman together as well as children so that they might provide. He told Adam that you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. And Paul said from 1 Timothy 5, 8, that if a man would not take care of his own family, he has denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. That's the word. It is you, you have a moral obligation as a father, as a husband, to take care of your wife and your children, and your wife working is optional. And usually she'll spend her own money anyway. <laughs> your money is our money. My money is my money. Let's move on. Listen to me. Listen to me. I know some of y'all struggling. I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. Then, then here we go. Proclamation, proclamation. Another reason why God wants the husband and wife to be together, to spread the gospel from generation to generation. So you can raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Your first ministry, your first evangelism should take place at home, and you should lead your children to Christ. And that's why they should be over in the kids' church. That's why they should be in the Easter play, the Christmas play, little star, youthful praise, ushering. Come on, somebody, stepping, whatever the case may be. You need to raise your children children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. These days and time, you need all the help you can get to help you raise your children. It takes a whole village. It really does. Okay, I'm almost done. Okay, now, now listen to me. I feel you guys. I look at, I'm looking at your eyes and stuff, and I'm, like I said, I struggle. I really did. I only got a little sleep. And you, listen to me. When, listen, when I preach a message like this, and I've said this before, I usually plummet into a deep depression. And that's why I try not to do anything on Monday because I'm trying to bring myself out of a deep, dark depression. This is known as Black Monday for pastors. There's a book called The Dark Side of Leadership. Most pastors who fail do something immoral, drugs, adultery, whatever it may be, it usually happened on a Monday when they're at their lowest. It's called Black Monday because usually after preaching, it drains you emotionally, physically, spiritually, and people cutting their eyes at you, walking out on you, sending you emails, calling you and stuff, it plummets you into a deep depression because as a pastor, all you want to do is love your people, tell them the truth, get them set free so they can live in victory. Watch this. But the devil would take everything I've said today and twist it to make you think I don't love you. Okay? So, now listen. Okay. The Bible said there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof is the way of death and destruction. Watch this. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That's a payment coming for sin. You may be getting by, but you're not getting away. Payday is coming. Watch this. When you sin, you become your own assassin. Let me say that again. When you sin, you become your own assassin. The wages of sin is death. Watch this. Anybody who makes you comfortable living contrary to the word of God has been assigned to your life by the devil. I don't care who it is. It could be in your family. Anybody who convinces you that something is morally wrong and you're going to do it and they tell you it's okay, they have been assigned to you by the devil to destroy you. And when you do certain sins, it will destroy your marriage, your testimony, your ministry, and your money. You about, you about to hear what I'm saying. Listen, listen. Now, for those of my liberal, open-minded members, 
all right? Sex shouldn't be just between a man and a woman in marriage. It should be for everybody, okay? Where do we draw the line? What about pedophilia? There are people pushing for legislation to make it okay for adults to sleep with children. It's out there. I'm not making this up. Google it. Research it. So if you say it's okay for anybody to have sex, then pedophilia is okay. Let's stop having racial sex offenders. Let everybody be a super freak. Okay, here's another one. What about polygamy? Okay. So marriage is no longer between a man and a woman, one man and one woman. So the door now is open for polygamy. Can I have five wives? Can I have five husbands? 10, 15, 20? Well, you draw the line. Because now the standard is gone. So where do we draw the line? We have opened the gates of hell. I'm not done yet. Necrophilia. Necrophilia. What's necrophilia? Necrophilia is people who have a sexual desire to sleep with a corpse. You better go, go read this stuff. I'm not making this stuff. I'm telling you that when you start sinning against God, God will give you a reprobate mind. You'll become so twisted and so messed up that you'll be lusting for a dead body. Because that's how the devil works. He slowly brings you in until he got you. And you will indulge in all kinds of perversions. Necrophilia. I'm not done yet. Beastality. You know in the Bible it talks about beastality? What's, what's beastality? Beastality is people who are in love with their pets to try to get it on with the dog or the cat or the cow or the chicken. This is in the Bible. Saying that if you're going to be a part of the covenant community, you cannot indulge in anything. And there are people out there marrying their pets. So again, if, if there's no standard, everything goes. Now, here's the good news. I told you it's going to be a little longer and I'm done. I want you to see this. But here's the good news. You are free... Listen to me. Everybody in here, you're free to choose whatever you want to do. You're free. And that's what Paul was saying in this letter here. You're free. You have freedom in Christ. You are free to do whatever you want to do and whatever you think you're big enough and bad enough to do. You can choose to do whatever you want to do, baby, but you cannot choose your consequences. You can, everything I've said, you can flush it right down the toilet, but the consequences are still attached to it. It is built within the DNA of sin to destroy you. I don't care how you dress it up, rename it, put perfume on it, take it out of town, close the curtains, turn off the lights, turn on the music, get some wine, turn on the fireplace. Destruction. Is built into the DNA of sin and it will destroy you. But I got good news. Such were some of y'all. But you're saved now. Come on, somebody. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. You have been justified. You have been sanctified. You
you've been brought out of darkness into the marvelous life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved the rest like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was seeking, deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply, staying within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Now saved am I. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Is there anybody in the house? You know there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Is there anybody in the house know that it reaches to the lowest valley? Come on, somebody. Reaches to the highest mountain, flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never, never lose its power. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away. Come on, somebody. Can anybody testify? You remember the day when he saved your soul. You remember the day when he made your whole. You remember the day when he snatched you out of darkness. You remember the day when he set you free from alcohol, from weed, from homemongers, from lying, from partying, from stealing. You remember the day. And that's the good news. I said that's the good news. Everybody got a pass, but baby, I got a bright future ahead of me. Cause I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Name and written down in the Lamb Book of Life. And any way you want to use me, God, use me, God. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. Go ahead and put up the last slide. Put up my last chart. I'm sorry. I'll be done in a minute. Watch this. Our great salvation. That's a positional truth. We were justified. We were washed. We were saved. Our position in Christ. We are seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. You just as good as being in heaven right now. It's in the aorist tense. Meaning it's happened in the past and it can't change in the present or the future. Positional truth. Then there's progressive truth. Sanctification. The Bible said we move from glory to glory to glory. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The old man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed, getting stronger, getting better, getting wiser every day. God has forgiven you of your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. When he died on the cross, he said, it is what? Finished. And the Greek word there for finish means paid in full. And I got my receipt. <laughs> and nobody can go to my pond and try to fish because they don't close the lake. 
you're free from the penalty of sin. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Watch this. You're free from the power of sin and the presence of sin. This is going to mess some of your heads up. There are some people struggling with homosexuality and a lot of those things on that list, they're going to heaven because they repented and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And even though they're still struggling with those things, they're going to still go to heaven. And some of you, straighter down a ruler, going to bust hell wide open because you didn't repent and you thought you didn't need no salvation. Listen, there's only one sin. Listen to me. There's only one sin. One that will send a person to hell. That is the rejection of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because if you accept Jesus Christ, he will wipe your slate clean. And you'll be forgiven forever to spend eternity with him. That's the only sin. So when you see people struggling, being a little Mac daddy, stealing, homanging, homosexuality, if they are saved, they are still God's child. And let me say to the parents, because some of us might have kids and stuff, don't you ever stop loving your child because of what they do or who they are. Come on. You love your children unconditionally. Come on, somebody. I don't care if they straight, crooked, or whatever the case may be. You love your child unconditionally, and you let them know this is one place you can always come to and get unconditional love. And the church should be the same way. This is a church where everybody is welcome. Straight, crooked, I don't care who you are. You are welcome at Rising Star. There's a caveat. There's a caveat. You can come as you are, but God loves you too much to leave you as you are. I'm wheel climbing Jacob's ladder. And every round goes higher and higher and higher. God dealt with me as a sinner in the past, but I'm his son or you're his daughter in the present. And in the future, we got to give an account for our stewardship. I was saved. I'm being saved. I shall be saved from the wrath to come. Let's stay and let's go home. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, Please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org and click the yellow donate button. More zealous. Than-